When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast. with your host Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back for the final fantasy divisional preview here on the show. The AFC North is where we ended. I don't know if this is how we planned it to finish with the AFC North, but here we are. The AFC North is our final division here for these fantasy divisional previews. Four more teams to go through. Steelers, Ravens, Browns, and Bengals here on the show. Let's get right to it, guys. I think there's a lot of conversation to have inside the this division. We'll start with the team that finished first last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Biggest bust potential, biggest sleeper, and our one burning question for this team. We'll start with the biggest bust potential. Jake, I'll start with you on today's show. Man, this was tough. This team really has a deep wide receiver room. I went Chase Claypool. I don't love it, but I, a, lot, a lot along the lines of the Justin Jefferson deal, I don't know that he can repeat that rookie season. They put it on tape. And to really throw a spoiler out there, like the big question is, is this actually a new offense that Ben keeps talking about? Or is it just a little bit of a different verbiage of the same thing that was built in 2006 or seven? I'm leaning probably towards that. Deontay Johnson's still the guy. Juju's still a thing. Ebron's still playing receiver. There's a lot of mouths to feed. I'm not sure Chase Claypool has the same big play. Now, he had a ton of, like, ton of penalties down the field. He didn't have a lot of big plays down the field, but there was touchdowns. To use one of Jamie's favorite sayings, the touchdown regression, I think, is absolutely there. I'm not sure he can match the same. I think he also surprised a lot of people last year. And I think if you're going to play this team, you're going to double up those other guys. You're going to try to cover Deontay Johnson as much as possible for the run after the catch ability. Uh, so I ended up landing on Chase Claypool. I did too. And I, and here's, here's my thought process. And I think he's being drafted, you know, he's a little higher than where I have him right now is ADP uh, in PPRs wide receiver 29. I have him at wide receiver 36, not, not egregiously different, but we talk about potential bust potential with a player. And it's about, can we foresee a scenario where things go bad? And I don't think there's anything to do with his talent. I think it has to do with the way this offense could look and the way that Ben Roethlisberger could look particularly later in the season. You know, I, I know Jake's told us about like, you know, how, you know, Ben's been feeling better, uh, you know, earlier in the offseason and better with the elbow. But Chase Claypool is used in a completely different way than the other receivers and pass catchers on this roster. And I went to look up like the average depth of target for their top pass catchers. You know, Juju's last year was pretty low, as we know. We've talked about on the show before. 5.2 yards. Eric Ebron, 7.5 yards. Deontay Johnson, 8.2 yards. Then Chase Claypool is is the outlier at 13.3 yards is his average depth of target. If something happens with Ben's throw power or his arm starts bothering him or whatever ha- whatever might potentially happen, the player that is more likely to lose significant work and to kind of lose a, a bit of their share and role in the offense is Chase Claypool. It's not those other three pass catchers. So 
That's the player to me that I would be concerned having too many shares of inside the top 30 wide receivers where he's going right now. I still like him as a low-end wide receiver three. I, I still think you can draft him somewhere in the range where he's going now, but I think his production is more likely to be hit or miss or more likely to fall off later in the season than I think Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster says. I think the one other guy is Najee Harris is going to eat into all of their workload, so to speak. I think I think he's going to be a big part of the passing game. I think Ben's going to rely on him on a lot of dump-offs. You can tell that they love him already. They're going to try to make him a three-down back from, from the first game on. I think he can handle that. I think that cuts into some of the, the catches and targets of these other guys. And I think he's, he's one of the biggest, uh, whatever the word would be there, you know, not benefits. He'd be the, the detriment to him the more than anybody else for Najee Harris's workload. All right. I'm ready to make the whole show and all the listeners angry. You're going to say Najee Harris, aren't you? I'm going to say Najee Harris is my biggest bust potential. Look, he's at, going at as RB11, guys. He's I know, going RB11. Please. Me, but uh, I agree. I agree. There's, there's, uh, uh, we talk about drafting at the absolute peak of value. I, I think That's he's the absolute peak. Be really good, but uh, 11 is too high for me. And, and, and that's, the, that's the problem I have with it is it, we, we've had this conversation with so many different players that we feel are going at the absolute peak, maybe even a little bit above the peak of their value. And I think Najee Harris is, is in a position to succeed there in Pittsburgh. But if you are drafting him as the RB11 off the board, saying he's a de facto RB1, there's not a lot of room for him to really struggle and you still get good value out of that pick. So that's why I put him down. Again, I think he's incredibly talented. I think he is in the right position to succeed. But RB11 feels like they have not factored in that he is a rookie on an offense that didn't look all that great last year. I think the biggest thing is offensive line. I almost wrote down Najee Harris, but I love this kid so much. I think in the passing game, a lot like we talked about some other guys, DeAndre Swift and Jamie's point, the passing game in PPR leagues could really be the equalizer here. The offensive line is my biggest question. They lost some studs. They lost some staples. They lost one of Ben's best friends. I don't know that they've replaced them with guys good enough. Now, they might just be younger and better than some of those guys. The cash might have been done. Pouncey might have been done and playing too long. We'll see. That was my biggest question with Najee. is not Najee or how much he's going to get the ball. The workload is going to be there is really why I didn't write his name down, although that is absolutely drafting at peak value. This offensive line has major question marks. Yeah, to that point, I believe four of their five week one starters from last year will not be on their week one roster this year. So, I mean, yeah. that is a significant offensive line turnover. And we'll see, right? We don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I've heard right. a lot of different things about, you know, they, they liked Pouncey so much and the career was there and they want him to finish that he should have been done two years ago. We'll see if you can replace that guy. I don't know that you can replace a center and their impact in the locker room and the chemistry and all that kind of stuff as much as you can actual physical play on the field. And especially how long it takes for that line to gel. You know, you might yeah. see more hiccups early in the season. They might get it late. Because, I mean, I think Kendrick Green seems to be the favorite to replace Pouncey. And I think he's going to be a hell of a player. But you're still asking, especially a rookie center, you're asking them to learn a lot to be able to And not to beat a dead team. horse, but when I was talking about this offense, is it actually different? Does that mean the blocking scheme is different? Does that mean the protection True. scheme is different? Does Ben actually – this is where I say I don't think it is because Ben's not learning new protections. Right. I think the protection is going to be the same as it's always been. The calls are going to be the same as they've always been. He's just doing it with a different guy. Ben probably has to do more without Pouncey in there. Whether Pouncey physically could do it or not, he's going to make the right call. And him and Ben will be going to be on the same page. That's another learning curve. We'll see how fast they can start. The biggest sleeper on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jamie. I went with Eric Ebron. He's getting no love right now. I just checked his ADP today. The tight end 26. He's going one spot ahead of Tim freaking Tebow in fantasy drafts right now in average ADP. That's absurd. I don't know what people are watched from him last year or think that he's not going to be able to replicate this season. You, know, you even want to look late last season, like right before and during the Pittsburgh Steelers losing streak. And if you want to include the postseason, Eric Ebron played in six of the final seven games. I believe he was out week 17 because of COVID protocols. But he had 46 targets, including that postseason game, in his last six games. That is 7.7 targets per game. So even when things were going poorly for the Steelers and people started to run away from them in real life and fantasy, Eric Ebron was still a heavy factor in this offense. He's going to be a factor this year. There's not somebody, you know, Frymouth is not going to be somebody that's going to have a significant role this year. Ebron is more of a, a wide receiver than a tight end anyway. They're going to have to throw this. They're going to have to throw a lot because that's what they're going to do. 
I don't see why people are running from him to this extent right now. It, he comes in right now as my tight end 15. Uh, he, again, in that range of you're not going into your draft hoping he's your tight end one, but if you come out of your draft and things fall one way or the other and he's your starting tight end, you're not that upset about it. But tight end 26 is just disrespectful right now. I love that one, Jamie. I almost went to Ebron too. He had the dropsies. I think that's what everybody in everybody's mind is. He had all these so drops. Or the, right, <laughs> like, but the numbers would have been gigantic if he didn't have the dropsies. Right, like, the targets were there. He's a receiver. That's exactly what he is. The and that's where I go. I go back to everything is based off of Ben loves Ebron. By the way, he loves a big bodied target that's really kind of playing the slot. Him and Juju both playing the slot more than really playing tight end. I don't think his role changes, regardless of what they talk about this offense changing. I went with Juju as my sleeper. He ended up okay fantasy, but you're talking about the five yards of target last year. It felt like two. It felt like everything was a screen pass, dump off, quick out, something. I think you see a lot more of the old Juju. I think he came back for a reason. I think Ben sold him. I'm going to be better next year. My arm's going to feel better next year. I think he has a lot more in him than he's shown the last couple of years. I think he's healthier. I think he's more motivated. He took, you know, took the money to stay. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know if that matters. That this kid is so different when it comes to that, but he is motivated to be really good. And the questions of him, is he that good? I think burn inside him. I think he has a big year. I don't think he's getting enough love. I'm going to take a page out of Jamie Eisner's book. Not somebody that you should be looking at to draft, but somebody you might want to put a star next to. I put Pat Fryermuth down here. Okay. Again, I don't think, to your point, Jamie, I, I don't know how much of a role Fryermuth is going to have in year one. He might be able to, as the season progresses, carve out a role for himself in this offense. And I think when he does, I mean, listen, they invested a decent amount of draft capital into, into getting Fryermuth. So I, I think there could be a role in the second half of the season for him. So he's a guy that I would star, uh, I would circle, I would keep an eye on, I would, I would just watch. Again, I don't think you put him on the draft board. I don't think you put him on the list. But to take a page out of Jamie's book, he's a guy I'm putting a star next to and I'm going to keep an eye on. If they do want to go 12 personnel with this offense, they're going to have to have two tight ends out there. And Ebron's going to have to stick his face in there a little bit. And I think they want to try to run the ball. And I think they're going to have to go 12 to do it. So that, that'll be interesting. I like that one. That, that one's going deep in the bag for you, Chris. And we didn't agree yeah. so far. So I'm loving no, that. So, yeah, this is great. And again, I, I, Maybe I'm reading too much into they used the second round pick on Firemuth. I think he's going to have some sort of role. I could be reading too much into the situation. No, that matters for the Steelers. A lot of a lot of teams you can go. Oh, they use too much capital. If the Steelers did it, they got plans for you. Right. Yeah, and look, I, I think you can look at it, and this this will be an, a name from a couple of years ago. But if you're looking for a potential comp for him, you know, and not, not from a stylistic standpoint, but the way that he could be used in production for this offense. It's a little bit like the role Jesse James had a couple years ago when Vance McDonald was clearly the top tight end, but they still used, they went 12 personnel enough times to get James involved a little bit. Frymouth is one that's interesting for me in the second half of the year if there's an injury to one of their top receivers. And you see Eric Ebron basically playing off of the line of scrimmage more. And you start to see Frymouth being the actual tight end on the line for them. And then I can see him having at least enough of a role to be in the conversation. But uh, it's a good name to have. It's a good. It's, he's somebody that I think is is more interesting right now in dynasty formats of what he could be in the future. But again, obviously, the, uh, don't imagine he's gonna have a major role right now in single tight end leagues. But it's definitely worth having a star by him. Uh, the burning question for this team: I'll, I'll take a a leap of faith and say that we're all kind of in a similar vein of: Does this offense look better than it did in twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty. Excuse me. Different. I with, yeah, Not I went better. with more. It'll look better, but is it different? I went more with what you were talking about, Chris, is, is Najee Harris all that? And that, that was my big question. I think he pretty much is. But he is being drafted right now with the expectation that he's going to be a superstar from week one on. You're taking him as an RB1, and, and we've seen rookies go this high before, and it's it was like the Saquon Barkley's of the world and the Ezekiel Elliott's their rookie season. And we have seen some of these guys that go really, really high in year one. I believe that his role on this team and the fact that there's not a lot of competition and he can do a little bit of everything, it puts him in a high in a high probability of having success. To me, he is a mid-level to high-level RB2. That is where I would feel comfortable taking him. I, I can't take him as an RB1 right now. And him going as the RB11 means he's coming off the board, what, in the second round? I, I just I think that's you're asking a lot right now for him to live up those expectations. I, I'm not going to say he can't do it. I'm just saying it scares me a little bit. I, I'm, 
I can't take Najee Harris as an RB1, but if he slips into the third round and you're somewhere around RB15 or 14, that's where I'd feel a little bit more comfortable with him. Yeah, it really comes out of philosophy. They love this kid, but do they love him more than getting the ball in Deontay Johnson's hands or Juju's hands or Claypool's hands or Ebron's hands or the guys that they have? And that means Ben's dumping it off or he's handing it off more. I know they want to philosophically in Pittsburgh. I don't know that him running it is going to be his best asset in year one. That's my big question with him going RB11. The Baltimore Ravens, next team up, biggest bust potential. And I will tell you, this is the one I had the most trouble with. Because it's like everybody, their receivers are in kind of like a weird spot. But okay, um, like I, Lamar, it's not Lamar. Lamar, I think, is going QB4. That felt fair. J.K. Dobbins, where he's going, that felt fair. So I went with J.K. Dobbins. I went with J.K. Dobbins here, and here's why. So right now he's being drafted as the RB16. I've been RB24. I, again, I, I will. this will be a broken record for, I feel like, two years on the show. People are considerably underestimating the role that Gus Edwards is going to have on this roster. Amen, and brother. Preach. If, if you want to look, and I want to put a number to this as well. So this is, this is what I want people to kind of understand when I'm talking about this and why I'm not as ex- – again, RB24. It's not like I hate J.K. Dobbins, but I'm not taking him at RB16. From week six on last season, including the playoffs, and I think we can agree at that point, it was very clearly that Dobbins was going to be the not the lead back, but at least have the bigger role at that point. Mark Ingram was out of the equation. It was really just Dobbins and Gus Edwards. He only got 46.92% of the running back carries from week six on, including the postseason last year. So we didn't even get 50% of the RB carries. Mark Ingram was, will be as much of a factor this year as he was at that point on last season, which is none because he's not in town anymore. So I, I just want to caution that one, obviously we know Lamar Jackson takes a high volume of the rushing attempts. Uh, but to me, I think we're looking at more of a J.K. Dobbins ends up getting about 50% of the overall RB split in terms of carries when healthy. You know, Gus Edwards will probably be around 40%. And then, like, you know, the other 10% gets distributed to other backs on the roster at times. I, that's my only concern. And that he will have to maintain this really high touchdown rate, which I think he could maintain a high touchdown rate. But he had that touchdown streak that was nuts to end last season that you cannot count on going forward. I still think he can be a 12 or 13 rushing touchdown guy this year. I still think he can get over 1,000 yards on the ground. But he's really not much of a factor in the passing game. And there's so much rushing volume that's going to go to Lamar Jackson, that's going to go to Gus Edwards. And I think that's not being accounted for right now. We continue to predict this every year that somebody's going to be this lead back. Somebody's going to get this. It's not happening. They paid Gus Edwards for a reason. He's going to have a role. I like J.K. Dobbins, but just don't expect him to have a massive jump in production this year because he's still not going to be a guy that's going to get 60% of the running back carries. You're going to need a high volume of rushing touchdowns for him to reach this, this level of his ADP. Fine with him as a low-end RB2, but anything higher than that is, I think, you're risking a lot. I love it, Jay. I've seen this as high as seven. Seven. I've seen him as high as RB7. That's insanity. Look, they paid Gus the bus, the money. Lamar's still the best running back on your team. I went Rashad Bateman. I think all of a sudden they're going to draft a receiver and he's going to be a wide receiver one, and that means Lamar's going to throw outside the numbers or they're going to all of a sudden change who they are. They tried that for a while last year. If you guys think about it, Lamar had a little bit of a six-weeks lap where he struggled. And then they played Cleveland in that big primetime game, and what did he do? He ran all over the freaking place and went back to him being himself, which I think that's his game. I'd love to see him progress, and you're talking about a Lamar fan. I know he can do it, but we haven't seen it yet. Maybe that's the lack of weapons outside, and maybe Bateman's an upgrade there, but this dude's getting drafted like they're throwing it as much as everybody else when they run it twice as much as some teams. I thought this one was pretty easy to be, although I absolutely agree with J.K. Dobbins. I I wrote Marquise Brown's name down. I didn't love that it was the name that I wrote down because he's going as like wide receiver 46, but he's going as the Baltimore wide receiver one, and I've been burned by that in the past. So this is me being a little jaded to the idea that, that Marquise Brown develops into that wide receiver one and just has a monster season. But again, I don't think 46 is egregious. It's not brutal. But he's coming off the board as the Baltimore wide receiver one, and that's where I, I, I would just hesitate a little bit. 
I thought about his name too, Chris. My big thing there was I think these these other weapons help him tremendously. And you started seeing them at the end of last year move him in motion. Yeah. Put him in the slot so he didn't just have to try to go beat man coverage, which I think benefits him tremendously. And if he's running a little drag route, Lamar can move around or can just dump it off. The run after the catch ability is big. So I, I like that. I, I'm fine with him where he is. I thought about that one too, but I think Bateman's just – he's right behind him in, in most leagues that I've looked at. And I was like – I he's got a long way to go to catch up with the chemistry that him, that Brown and Lamar have. So Jake, you said, you know, you're, you're, you were happy that we weren't on the same page on this show because on the last show we were in lockstep on a lot of these things. You'll be very happy to know that my biggest sleeper is Rashad Bateman. So we are on the complete opposite ends of the Rashad, Bateman you and everybody else spectrum. in the fantasy community, Chris. That's right. Rashad Bateman, baby. Rashad Bateman season. That's why we call you the hype train. That's right. That's right. Uh, go ahead, Jamie. Uh, so I, I love Rashad Bateman as a player, but I, I think he's going way too high in fantasy drafts right now. Um, but my my sleeper and here and, and this is again, I don't think this is a cop out because I, I truly believe this. It's Lamar Jackson. And here's why he's going into QB four right now, but he's about to slip to QB five. I mean, he is just a razor thin margin above Dak Prescott right now. He's going behind Kyler Murray. I, I don't expect this offense to look considerably different. Because this offense has been able to win in one very specific way for the last two and a half seasons, or season and a half, a couple or two seasons, I should say. I think he's going to run around a ton. I think he's going to have to run around a ton. There, this is kind of like he is looking for for more money. They're this. They're kind of in the this Baltimore team is kind of in the same window and room as those like mid two thousands Chargers teams where. You've been good for a prolonged enough stretch now that you need to get to the Super Bowl before people start to go, do we need to start just moving some pieces around to keep this window open, whether that's fair or that's unfair? We're still not that far removed from the John Harbaugh uh, head coach hot seat rumor mill stuff. So to me, I think this is a team that's got to win any way possible, and we know how they can win. And it's the way they played in the back part of last season. It's the way they played two years ago. And I think Lamar is going to run around plenty. Uh, him, him having some extra weapons to throw to is nice. Just having some other pe- – because, again, look, even if they don't change this offense around much, having you know, Rashad Bateman and having Sammy Watkins for however many games and having Tylen Wallace, having some of these guys is going to be better than the Miles Boykins and the Willie Sneeds and some of these other players that they've had there. So it, it's not going to hurt him. But I don't think it's going to completely change the way they play on offense. And last year, down the stretch there from week 10 on, in the second half of the season, Lamar Jackson was the QB two, And he was razor-thin close between him and Josh Allen for the best quarterback in fantasy down the stretch. So if you look at a very outside of about an eight-week stretch over the last two years, Lamar Jackson's been the best fantasy quarterback in football. And to me, I would still take him as that spot. I get if you want to take Allen or Mahomes. I think all three of those guys are in that same upper tier. But when you, t- I can't draft Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott and some of these other players over him, which is where he's going to end up being by the time we get to the peak of fantasy draft season. I love that. He went back to doing what he does about the same time we were just talking about, Jake. And that's why did he win the MVP? It wasn't throwing the ball. He won the MVP with like zero weapons, a hell of a running game and all him. And they got to win. This division is brutal. I went with the Gus bus, boys. They don't pay a guy who's been there. Give him a solid two-year deal. He's going to get 30% of the carries. He's a stud. If anything happens to J.K. Dobbins, he fills right in. You're looking at 150-yard games and that same touchdown rate that Dobbins had. I, they love this dude. I love this dude. He's always productive. And while no running backs in Baltimore get involved in the passing game much, he'll catch a screen pass here and there and give you a little bit there. But he gets absolutely no love at all in the fantasy community or real life. Got some breaking news uh, oh, to no. share with everybody I didn't have tw- I didn't have Twitter open. Oh, no. Uh, Quentin Nelson has the same foot injury yep. as Carson Wentz out five to 12 weeks. Yep. How about crazy you, is that? Hey, J- hey, Jamie, can I ask you a question? Yeah. How, how did those, how did those Colts reprojections go on Monday? You might want to go back and redo them. They dropped them all down. Yeah, I dropped. So uh, Jonathan Taylor went down to RB or to overall player seven RB six. He's probably going to drop at least another spot there. So yeah, cause the whole left side of their line is not gone. great. That's a 350-pound man with the same foot injury. For a team that already had line problems as it is that they were we were concerned about. It's funny. You go from Dallas a few years ago to the best to not very good. 
quickly. A couple injuries, man. It is absolutely brutal on the offensive wow. line. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, well, thank you for that, Jamie. Um, the burning question for this Baltimore team, I think we've kind of hinted at what we all think it is, but Jake, I'll start with you. Outside productivity. Can Lamar throw it outside the numbers efficiently with these new weapons? Can they add that nuance to this offense to make it that much more versatile, that much more explosive? That's my biggest question. Can they add that wrinkle to this offense, which has been pretty successful running it, throwing it between the hashes? Can he throw it outside the numbers and have success? Yeah, and to me, it's I've already kind of said it, but will this offense look any different? I don't think it's going to. And that seems to be the narrative that's been going around since the draft. I don't think it's going to look considerably different. Uh, so, and by the way, I think that's probably good for fantasy purposes. That's good for Lamar. That's good for Marquise Brown. Like I, it, it's to me, they just got to do whatever they've been to be, whatever they've been doing to continue to be successful on offense. And they tried to get away from that early last season. It did not work. And they had to get this frenetic run to get to the postseason last year. Can't afford that this year. It's a winnable division. They got tough teams in it, but it's a winnable division because they're, they're good enough. But I'm not predicting them to do that, but they at least have a shot. They need to do everything they can to get back on home field again and, and win multiple playoff games. Cleveland Browns, biggest bust potential. I think Jamie and I are on the same page. I don't know if it's going to be a clean sweep, though. OBJ. Yeah, maybe that's We're okay. all on so the same easy. page. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you where you it guys is, are going, and I'm absolutely yeah, we, we swept this one. It is easy. Listeners wide know. receiver 27, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll double check, but tw- yeah, no, he's wide receiver I saw the number and I was like, no, yeah, 27 ADP right now. He comes in at wide receiver 41 for me. Yeah, Look, it's interesting. And I agree wholeheartedly. Look, you broke down the numbers, Jamie, that it's almost an arguable, but the dude still gets all kinds of love. By the way, he's coming off an ACL. Yeah. I don't care that he can run on a treadmill, people. I've told you that the videos don't, they don't sway me at all. He's not a different player than he's been. No, he's. Coming off an ACL, he has an extended, extended, extended injury history that dates back many years. Even day, So that's a factor as well. And this is, again, this is a Browns team that's going to throw the ball about 30 or 31 times per game. That is a low number for them. I even stripped out the last – I looked over the last couple of years with Stefanski. I looked back at what Stefanski did with Kirk Cousins, and I stripped out all of the weather games from last year. I'm not even counting those, which were low past attempt games because, you know, it was they were playing in torrential downpours. Took all of that away, and it came out to less than 31 pass attempts per game. They're just not – going to throw enough Odell Beckham's got a exactly on the dot a 25% target share since joining the Cleveland Browns which is a pretty solid amount but 25% of the 31 pass attempts a game isn't as much as you think when you factor in the the injury risk that he's got you know I haven't projected for about 13 games next year around 100 targets he's just not going to get enough volume to be the player people so desperately want him to be which is the guy he was in New York with Eli Manning I, he's just not going to be that player. The offense is not set up for him to have fantasy success. He has the injury history. He's coming off an ACL. Just like there's every red flag in the book, but every year people want to just go and draft Odell Beckham Jr. again. Uh, Jamie, he had that really good catch on Sunday Night Football one time. I don't know if you remember this, but he leaned back and it was one-handed. The, yeah, the, that is that fact is that factor is that factored into your rankings that he did also, that one cool thing a decade well, no, ago? Well, well it's fact to my rankings, Chris, is I saw you tweeted something nice about me and then deleted it just now. So I like, did. I, I was I was I did have a nice tweet wrote up about you, and then I'm like, oh, no, this one why you deleted so then I it. I just I got rid of it. Yeah. I had to reword it. I'll I'll fix it for later. Okay. Um so this is a clean sweep. I was not surprised that it was a clean sweep uh, here for Odo Beckham Jr. This one I don't think is gonna be a clean sweep. The biggest sleeper on the Cleveland Browns. I, I went, went Austin wide Hooper. Receiver. Okay. I right. went Austin Hooper. I, I love the way he finished last year. He got, what do you have, appendicitis or something? And he got yeah. sick and something else happened. And like when he got healthy and really got acclimated to this offense, Baker Mayfield loves throwing the tight ends. He's ranked up there as a tight end one in a lot of places, but I think he absolutely is. I think he could be closer to like eight or nine when we're talking about total tight ends. If he finished, if he starts the way he finished last year, I know OBJ is coming back and people think that's going to take targets away from him. Baker's going to who's open. And if OBJ's on the field, you still got to account for him, which has another thing that knocks him when we're talking about busts. They're still going to double cover him. Jarvis Landry's not going deep. Austin Hooper is going to be the guy that's open. I think he has a big year. I love the way he finished last year. Jake, are you sitting down? Yes. 
Oh no. His current ADP at Fantasy Pros is tight end 25. That's insanity. It's ridiculous. It's wrong. I have him as my tight end 11. Yeah, I mean, like that's where I think he starts. I think he could finish higher than that. I'm going to walk out of a lot of fantasy drafts with Austin Hooper as my tight end one because I'm just going to wait. And I'm just going to wait and I'm going to grab him. People have forgotten because it's he's, he had that like he got injured last year and there were some of those the rainy weather games, all the other stuff. He had nearly an 18% target share. All right. So he was he was getting targeted plenty. Uh, he's got a strong uh, from Baker Mayfield. Nobody loves anything more than Baker Mayfield loves throwing touchdowns to tight ends. Like just he absolutely is just like it's his favorite pastime. Besides making commercials, it's like making commercials one, throwing touchdowns to tight ends two. Like that is the Baker Mayfield list of like things he loves. He Austin Hooper is going to have a significant role this year. I know he burned people last year and everybody got hyped about him and he didn't have the season many hopes for and he missed some time. So everybody's off the train. Tight end 25 is wrong. All right. I like David Njoku a lot, but the Browns have made it very, very clear that they are not going to make David Njoku a focal part of their offense. It has been a clear part since in the last two years that that is not going to be the guy. Austin Hooper is the clear tight end one there. He's going to have a ton of success. I, I have him down to for about a 60 catch, 500 yards, five touchdown season, which is perfectly fine. That is a perfectly capable low end tight end one. I'm going to have a lot of shares of him when I wait on tight end and draft. So I'm not getting one of those elite options. I'm going to sit back and wait and wait and wait and get guys like Austin Hooper or guys like Eric Ebron that we've talked about today, where there is a tremendous amount of value there. I had two leagues last year where I had both of those guys. And when Hooper was biting me early, when he, Ebron was lighting it up, and then when Ebron struggled, Hooper was great. I love that. And to, to my, to beat this point of quit watching videos and think that guys are doing something different. There was a 56 inch box jump from Njoku and he looked, he was a seven foot high jumper in high school people. It's not anything new just because you saw it on Instagram. Doesn't Correct. make it all of a sudden he's a star. He was a 240 pound, seven foot high jumper in high school. The dude is a freak athlete that hasn't developed. Calm down with the workout videos equating to performance on the field. This is another Jamie-esque sleeper for me. I've gone deep into the bag of tricks. Is it a wide receiver? It is. Okay, so tell me why it's Donovan Peoples-Jones. No, sorry. I didn't go that deep into the sleeper. Wow. I went went Rashad Higgins. Okay. And I I don't know if you have seen. Jamie, you have him, I think, in the the 60s, correct? I think he's like wide receiver 64. Yes, wide receiver 64. Good call, Chris. Yeah, wide receiver 64 for me. Do you want to know what his ADP is right now? I bet you it's not in the top 80. Wide receiver, 119. Yeah. Okay? So you know what? There's some value there for a guy that we just talked about, all the things we have concerned about with Odo Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry is going to be the focal point from the wide receiver room in this offense. But if Odo Beckham Jr. is not fully healthy off of that that ACL, I think Rashad Higgins, who re-signed there in Cleveland, is going to just be able to be like, have a nice little role there. And I'm sorry – but a top 65 wide receiver going outside of the top 115 is somebody that I'm going to put a nice little star next to, and I'm just going to keep an eye on. And I'll sit back here and I'll wait. So I, I don't mind it. I think, I think your injury, you got to have an injury for that to be a thing. And Donovan Peoples-Jones played really well at times last year, so I guess I see why Jamie threw that name out there. By the way, that's a pretty that's a deeper wide receiver room than I thought it was. It is. Now and that we're sitting here talking about it. There's not a lot, and that's where it goes back to my question, my burning question is who is ends up being the true third option? I think it's going to be Austin Hooper, but I think you, you make this argument where you, know, you just talked about Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones flashed last year. They like Kadero Hodge a lot. Uh, you know, he's a player that we've heard positive things last year from that coaching room about. They drafted Anthony Schwartz, the speedster. That entire room has an interesting mix of different skill sets. And I think that's what makes it intriguing. So there's not maybe many household names outside of Beckham and Landry at the top there. But this this room is actually pretty diverse in terms of what skill sets of their wide receivers and guys that they like and guys that can kind of get the job done if and when things happen to Odell Beckham Jr. So it, it's actually an intriguing room. The thing that it goes back to is that this offense doesn't throw the ball a ton. And that's why you really kind of need an injury because outside of – if Beckham, Landry, and Hooper are all healthy at the same time, there's just not going to – and obviously Kareem Hunt getting a little bit of work out of pass catching out of the backfield. There's really not going to be many targets to go around to these other options. But when injury strikes, they have some interesting pieces there. So do keep an eye on which receivers kind of emerge as right behind – Odo Beckham Jr., for example. You know, because last and, year it was Rashad Higgins for it was Kadero Hodge for a minute, then he got hurt, and then it was Rashad Higgins for the most part, but then Peoples Jones flashed. So just kind of keep an eye on that in training camp. 
That's a great one, James, because I, I think you go back to, and I'm not a big numbers guy a lot of the time, but this one, it doesn't, this is not a small sample size with Stefanski. This is a big sample size now. They don't throw it that much. And that defense is going to be really good. I don't know that they're going to have to. They just they gave the, the money. Well, let's get the money to Nick Chubb. And, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Jake, but they also have the David. best fourth quarter running back in the NFL on their roster. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his, and they're going to be winning a lot of close games. The defense is really good. I don't know if you saw that stat, Jake, but on a per-carry basis, Nick Chubb, I think it's over the last two years, is averaging four yards per touch, or excuse me, four yards per carry more in the fourth quarter than the next best running back in the NFL. Yeah, it was insane. I saw that the other day. It, it's and it nuts. I mean, that's he's a true RB1 old-school days of, like, yeah. they get stronger throughout the game. The more you give him the ball, the stronger he gets. He's a stud. I was really happy to see him get the money. You're talking about a guy that does it the right way. It would jump off a little tangent there, but that was I was happy to see him get some serious RB one money and get paid. I, I was just going to bring up the the Nick Chubb contract extension because I think that reinforces the way that this offense is structured and what they're going to do when you pay a guy and you extend him, you know, thirty six million over three years. You're committing to the identity that we've seen Stefanski and this team run and what got them to the playoffs last season. So uh, it'll be intriguing to see what the passing game looks like, considering that they've really gone kind of gone all in with this mold and this 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 identity. Uh, but there are definitely some options there. Uh, the one burning question that we have for the Cleveland Browns. Jamie threw his out there. I, I, mine was a lot along those same lines, but I was like, can they take the next step? You went to Pittsburgh and you won that playoff game. It's really not fantasy related. It's just, can they play complimentary football? I love the pieces they added this defense. If that, if that defensive room is healthy, those corners are healthy. They're pretty loaded everywhere. I'm not a Jadavion Clowney fan. We all know that he's never on the field, but the addition, if he's out there a little bit, Miles Garrett is a freak. If he's healthy and you have somebody you have to pay attention to on the other side, I think this defense can be really good. Can they take the next step? People are ta- touting them as contenders with Buffalo and Kansas City and the AFC. Can they do that? The Cincinnati Bengals are the last team up for us here on the list. And Based on the names that Jamie and I have in our recording studio, there's going to be some some anger coming from our end. Uh, biggest bust potential for the Cincinnati Look, Bengals. This is going to pain. Only, there's only one name. It's Jamar Chase. No, it's Jamar Chase. No, I put it's Chase a, slash Mixon. It's Joe Mixon. Yeah. No, see, it's it. Chase for the same reason that we had the, that we had the same conversation about Najee Harris. He's going very close near his peak for you. I, I get, I get that, Chris. But what I'm saying here, and, and there's a Jamar Chase is a different conversation. I just meant that for if you've played fantasy football at any point in the last like three or four years, and you bring up the Cincinnati Bengals, there is only one player you could talk about with a high level of bust potential, and it's Joe Mixon. I still like him. I'm still taking him fairly high. But if there is one guy, like right now in my update, he he's my RB12. Uh, so I'm taking he's him. He's RB13 RB... ADP-wise. Yeah, right. RB12. I'm taking him fine. 18th overall. I understand. And, I, and I'm not saying you don't draft him as ADP. But his bust potential is humongous, and we saw it last year, and we've seen it before. So it, it just is like I, I, I feel like it's, you know, the meme of like, ah, oh, crap, here we go again. That's how I feel like every year at this time of year about Joe Mixon. I'm just like – I. No matter what level I buy in or don't buy in, I know I'm just going to be wrong. Like, I'm just never going to be right. Because, like, the one year I don't buy in, he'll be great. And he'll stay healthy. Like, I just know how this is going to work. So, to that to me is, is the biggest potential bust is Joe Mixon, where he absolutely has top eight, t- top even top six RB upside. But he could also do to you what he did to everybody last year that had him, which is absolutely tank you. So, just buyer beware. Well, I'm fine where he's minute. going right now, but buyer beware. I just noticed something. Jake, you're not getting away with this. You have two names written down. Pick one. Stick to it. We haven't gotten to where I get to speak yet. So I <laughs> okay, wrote you, two you names said down. You wrote As two I names speak, down. I'm going to pick one. So I wrote down Chase slash Mixon, and I went, you know what? This team's not going to be very good. While this team went through Mixon in years past, it goes through Joey B and these receivers. So it's not Chase, because if he's healthy, he's going to have more than enough opportunity to sp- still be really solid. So if you're drafting him – at his peak, I think all three of these receivers have monster years. It has to be Joe Mixon because the one thing he hasn't proven and the Bengals haven't proven is that they'll play him on third down and he'll be an actual consistent part of the passing game. 
Geo is gone. So everybody assumes that Mixon's going to be that guy. He should be. He can be. But he's never been, and they've never made him that guy. So does somebody else carve out that role where they're playing on third down, they're playing in two minutes? Or is it Joe Mixon? Is he a really a three-down guy? So Jamie said he could be a top-six guy, but they've never proven it, and he's never proven it. And they're not going to be very good. They're going to throw it a ton. This offense doesn't go through him anymore. It goes through Joe Burrow. So it's not Chase. I think it's Mixon. I mean, I, I've made my case for Jamar Chase. I'm not moving off of my position of where he is going ADP-wise. I get what you you're saying about Joe pick. Mixon. I wrote down two names, and, and then you, you try to slander me. It's not slander. You did, this, you did this to me throughout the whole process. Of If I wrote two names down, you got upset with me. So I'm making you do the same thing of picking a name. But you didn't pick one. You wrote down two names and tried to get away with that. I was picking. I did. That's okay. fair. That's fair. That's uh, the yeah. biggest the way, sleeper. Before I get that, I low-key can't. Part of me is just masochistic, and I cannot wait for the first time the Bengals throw out Trayvon Williams on a third down in week one and just watching Twitter lose its ever-loving mind. Yes, cannot wait for it. Uh, uh, my biggest, biggest sleeper, sleeper is Tyler, Tyler Boyd. I- Boyd. <laughs> We're, we're, I, I'm going to get mad. I've had a double shot of espresso already, and I'm angry. Okay. Wide receiver 38. What are we freaking doing with this? Wide receiver 38. He's the third He's, third guy on this team, right? ADP? Yeah. Yeah. Which yes. is unfortunate because he's the number one wide receiver and probably target share. Like yes. last year, he was at over 21.5% target share. He's going to continue to have that sort of volume. And honestly, the big thing that helps all of these Bengals receivers, Chase included, is that this team is going to throw a crap ton. And because they have to, and because that's really the only way they have any chance of staying competitive in these games. Tyler Boyd, I have him projected to be to get close to 140 targets this year. No, is he going to have as many highlights as Jamar Chase? No, is he going to look as, as nice in a uniform as T. Higgins? No. But he is going to be the solid target leader for this team. He's going to threaten 100 catches. He'll be over 1,000 yards. I am really, really excited for where he's going. Uh, I would, I, get, I have him going, in my mind, just behind Jamar Chase. I have those two guys have about 0.28 points per game difference in my projections uh, between Boyd and Jamar Chase. I don't understand why he's going so low. I will love having Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver too. I will have a ton of shares of him likely as a wide receiver three or flex given where he's going in drafts right now. I don't understand the hate dude catches about 70% of his passes averaged over 8.15 yards per target with burrow last year. I don't know what people expect or what they don't expect from him. He's perennially underrated. I thought people would learn their lesson, but the drafting of Jamar chase means they didn't learn their lesson. I want as many shares of Tyler Boyd at his current ADP as I can possibly get one. 100%. 100% agree. And the people that are on board of they have now have Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd's not going to be a thing. That helps him. That is an asinine statement to say that Jamar Chase doesn't help Tyler Boyd, who's playing in the slot, already has chemistry with the quarterback, and he plays. He's out there every week. While all these guys have been struggling with injuries for them for the last couple of years, he's out there a ton, playing through everything on a bad team. He's the kind of guy you want. He's Jamison Crowder in a younger version that's taller, longer, and more athletic. Like, you can't not – I think he's the first guy off the board. I think Jamar Chase has more yards, but Tyler Boyd has more catches and more fantasy points when the year is up. And you guys know how high I am on Jamar Chase. So I, I agree with everything you said about Tyler Boyd. You can, you can put me in the Tyler Boyd camp with you guys. I'm just going to pick a different name just so we have another discussion point, Okay. And this kind of goes off of what you guys were talking about, the biggest bust potential. Because if Joe Mixon gets hurt and doesn't play, I'm putting a star next to, and I'm keeping an eye on Samaj P. Ryan in the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Because again, Joe Mixon has an, in, he has an injury history. Samaj P. Ryan is going to be the next man up. They are still going to run the football. He's going to be able to get that workload. So again, I, 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 this has been my theme throughout the show. I don't know if this is a guy that you seek out on draft day, but I think it's a guy that you keep an eye on and you put a star next to, to where maybe you can handcuff somebody who has Joe Mixon, or if Joe Mixon gets hurt, you can very quickly pick up some Ajay Piran. He's never yeah, looked think- like the guy at Oklahoma, James. That's my big problem. Is like I loved him coming out of college. I loved him in college. He's never even come close to looking like that guy, much less being that guy. That's why I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how this backfield battle plays out, not only just in, in training camp in the preseason, but early in the season to kind of see who's going to get what. You, you have Samaj P. Ryan there. You have Trevon Williams, who I've mentioned. You you got Chris Evans, also the rookie in the backfield. 
kind of want to see how that room plays itself out. Because again, if we talk about the biggest bust potential being Joe Mixon and the long injury history that he suffered, I, I was able to take advantage of Gio Bernard last year uh, in our in the TDN Fantasy League uh, for several weeks to making up for Mixon's injury. There will be fantasy value there, even if it's probably going to be a, some some sort of a timeshare if Mixon gets hurt. But I want to kind of see who's going to be the lead dog of the timeshare and. It's something to watch. You know, P. Ryan looked okay at times last year. Williams looked okay at times. Evans is a rookie that has a lot of a lot had a fairly decent amount of hype for a latest round guy uh, coming out of the draft. So I'm very much paying attention to that. Other That's thing, it. Chris, before we move on oh, to burning question, mind. because it's not it, because we have burning question. I know you forgot the format of the show already. But uh, the other thing I want to point out is when we talk about uh, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase being there. I think because of how inefficient A.J. Green was last year, people forgot how big of a role he actually still had in that offense. His target share was above 19%. So it's not Great so point. Jamar Chase is going to come in and can just take over that A.J. Green role, maybe get a few other targets on top of that, and this offense doesn't really change at all. Like you, It's not like A.J. Green had a 10% target share, and now all of a sudden Jamar Chase is coming in, and we have to start grabbing targets from elsewhere on the roster. There's a ton of targets up for grab. Just A.J. Green didn't catch any of them. Yep. Great point, Jane. All right, burning question. I forgot. You, you're right. I, I didn't have it ready I, to go. I, I'm what, Chris? Yeah, you're right. That's fine. Oh. Go ahead. You, so what's your burning question for the Cincinnati Bengals? Is Joe Burrow healthy slash can the offensive line keep him that way? That's the 100%, biggest 100%. For the Bengals, for fantasy, for Zach Taylor's future as a coach in the NFL, all of those things all come down to that simple equation. How healthy is Joe Burrow right now? And will that offensive line be able to keep him that way? throughout the season because he was hit more than any quarterback in the NFL by the time he, his knee got exploded uh, in midseason last year. If that happens again, even if he doesn't suffer a catastrophic injury, it's just a ticking time bomb at that point. So can yeah. they have to keep him healthy? He's got all the toys. He's got a lot of shiny toys out there. Okay. He's got, he's, he's got a, he's driving a Lamborghini, but he's driving with no insurance. So if that thing crashes, this whole thing is going to go to, you know what? Hundred percent, and can I'll add on to that? Is can he help keep himself healthy? Yeah. Which helps the Joe Mixon conversation. Can he dump it off? It helps the Tyler Boyd conversation. Can he hit the slot guy early in the route tree and not worry about holding on to it? This kid's too damn tough for his own good. He hung in there way too much last year. Can he help that bad offensive line keep himself healthy? Now, can I say that's it? Is that is that fair with everybody? Yeah. Before okay, you do it. that, who okay. do you guys have? This is a good division. Yes. Like I, the one thing I love about this, I have a really good feel for these divisions. Now that we've done this, it's a fantasy exercise, but it really leads towards who's got the depth, who's got the playmakers. I think this is Cleveland's to lose. I was on board with Pittsburgh bouncing back last year and win the division. They did, but man, they struggled down the stretch. Cleveland is, there's a couple teams in the NFL on paper that are ridiculous, but they proved they could win, get in the playoffs, go win a playoff game in Pittsburgh, which they haven't done in a long time. They are really, really talented if they stay healthy. Yeah, they're they're my pick as of right now to win this division. Mm-hmm. Same same here. I think I, I think Baltimore still has a little bit of a gap behind them in terms of showing it over the course of a, of a full season. And I think defensively, Cleveland's just a better team. So yeah, if we go biggest uh, bust potential, it's the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it's the Steelers are in the like I, the Steelers are like I think the Ravens are a wild card team. The Steelers are in the conversation. I don't think I don't have them there now. Although it's it's. It's almost impossible to envision the Steelers in a, in a below 500 record because it just hasn't happened in forever. Uh, but I, I think they're just, I think they're closer to middle of the pack than they are to getting anywhere close to challenging for the top of this division. Like they're not going to be. Yeah, I think, I think Cincinnati will step up and beat a couple of these teams in this division on any given Sunday. That offense gets hot. Teams, yeah, they are. They may only win six games, but a couple of those are going to be shockers where they're beating good teams. Uh, that's it for the fantasy divisional previews here on the show. Uh, more fantasy content coming to you the rest of the month. And then as the season begins, the the format of the show might change a little bit. There might be different days, different contents. It's something that we are all going to work through. And we'll have an announcement here shortly. But but these two-a-day, the, you know, these two-a-week shows might become three-a-week. The schedule is a work in progress. We will have an update for you uh, very shortly. I believe Jamie yeah. and I are going to have this discussion later in the week and have a plan for everybody. So, And on that point, for when we get to the in-season schedule, um, we're going to do things. They're definitely going to do things a little bit differently than we did last year in terms of days of the week to make it a little bit more mm-hmm. advantageous for your leagues and pickups, waiver wire claims, rankings, all of that sort of thing. So 
Uh, we're going to make sure we're going to optimize it, but uh, we'll still stick in two a week through August. And next week we'll have another mock draft for you. Our, for our, our monthly mock draft series will continue. I think boys, I think we do super flex. We haven't done one of those yet. Oh, come think, on, man. We do a two round super flex. It's, it's, it's going to be, the, we're five years away from that being the standard in fantasy. So uh, more and more leagues that new leagues right now that are starting up. The majority of them are starting up with super flexes. So uh, I think we, we hit right. our super flex two round mock next week. Right. How's that sound? Great. All right. Fine with me. Uh, Jamie, where like can everybody it. follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram and make sure you check out the draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab. Brand new this week, updated rankings uh, to make up for the Carson Wentz news. We're going to have to re-update trade. After we up, after we update a little bit, I mean, I don't, I, I hurt the guys the way they needed to be hurt in there. I'll, I'll drop Jonathan Taylor ever so slightly again, but uh, updated again. Keep make sure you check out the rankings and projections. Those are living and breathing. Um, so at least once a week, those will be updated. I will try to update them more as news breaks, but uh, they're living and breathing. So make sure you bookmark those pages, hit refresh on those pages to kind of see if any changes have been made. Jake, Jake B Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. And you heard Jamie mention it. TheDraftNetwork.com underneath the Fantasy tab is where all of this content is living and breathing. That's going to do it for us this week. we got a mock draft coming for you next week. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.